Hey, welcome to Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf, and today I want to talk to you about what not to do or how to alienate your customers during high inflation. Now, there was a lesson during the 1970s and early 80s when inflation was just insane. Same kind of thing that we're seeing right now, and it also changed radically in two to three year blocks. And it would be much higher, then it'd come back down a little bit. Everybody'd say, oh, it's getting better, and then boom, it'd skyrocket again. Interest rates are high. We're seeing interest climbing now. Fed is expected to uh, continue that trend throughout the year, to say the least. Here's the point for today's brief talk. During the 70s, there were companies, particularly candy bars is a great example. What they did as prices kept going up, they made the candy bars smaller, right? So you're getting less for the same amount. As inflation continued, you were getting less for more. And we saw that in other packaged products. You know, the, the biggest example, the most impactful example was in packaged consumer goods like candy bars, cereals, other things you buy at the grocery store. We're already starting to see that with coffee. And I was looking at, you know, there was a sale on coffee when I was shopping with the, with the stealth wife. And, you know, we looked at the background going, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. And what was a pound was 12 ounces. Now, 12 ounce bags are of coffee, 12 ounce bags of coffee are common. What we noticed was there's a two to four ounce reduction in the size or in the weight of the coffee bags, even though it was marked on sale. And it's interesting too, because the sale prices were a discount off of an elevated price. So we're paying about the same as we would have several months ago for less coffee. Marketed as big sale, big markdown. And that's what made me think about this going, you know, you need to not do that. Don't follow, don't follow that example. What happened in the 70s and 80s when the economy turned back around, things started getting good again. Those customers didn't come back. Customers left. They were alienated by the companies that gave them less for the same and then less for more as their strategy, uh, pricing strategy for responding to inflation. Took them longer to build back up to where they were after the economy calmed down and became really a strong boom economy and competitors came in and took market share from them. So this is, this is a couple opportunities for you. One, if you change your value stack, and I know this is nothing new. If you've been following this series, if you've been with Wolf's Watch for any length of time, I have talked about this repeatedly. Focus on the value stack, right? You need to, you need to talk with, you need to deliver more value to your customers as you're rising your prices in response to inflation. You can't just charge more than uh, to, to adjust for inflated expenses on your part. Now you can, it'll alienate customers though. And guess what? Most of your competition is going to do that too. It gives you no competitive advantage. So competitive advantage to the value stack. Second is productivity. We talked about this on the last two episodes of Wolf's Watch. This is a third productivity tip. What you do with productivity is reduce your cost structure. Now, this is independent of your pricing policy, right? And while you're working on your pricing policy, you need to work on the cost structure. Here's an example. In, uh, I used a manufacturing example on last episode. Here is a non-manufacturing example that applies to all companies. What are you doing in your marketing and sales to use electronic tools to automate 
those processes to the greatest extent possible. There's a huge, huge caveat with that. You can't automate something that doesn't work in the real world. The classic mistake with automating processes, especially going from a physical process to a digital process, is to just copy what you're already doing. Don't do that either. That will not help you with your cost structure. Okay. And it can be very, it can be very dangerous because if there are inherent inefficiencies and disconnects in the process, once you automate it, now you're generating problems and losses faster. Okay. What you need to do is make sure working with your best people, what is the best practice that's getting the best result and make sure that there's no disconnects in the process. And it sounds like a lot of work, not as much as you might think. It's pretty straightforward to do and can be done rapidly in order to make sure there's no big disconnects before moving into an electronic process. Then you continue to improve as you move forward. It's just you'll have a leg up on the competition because most of them will not implement that way. That's why 70% of those kinds of projects fail. Ken Blanchard Company has been bringing that to, to the business community's attention for years. And for the most part, most companies haven't changed. The high performers have. And that's where you want to stay, right? You want to be high performer. You want to stay high performer. Don't want to be part of the companies that are going to get hit hard as this inflationary cycle continues for at least the next three years, maybe as long as five. Okay. So that's the second thing. Work on, automate that process so that your people are focused more for sales so that they're focused more on sales calls and closing business. So that your marketing is giving you a good ROI. And that's one of the metrics to be tracking. What is your marketing ROI in terms of how many dollars you're putting into marketing? How many dollars you're receiving back? What's that leverage factor? Because you should, you know, you put a dollar on the table for marketing, you should be getting multiple dollars back. Big companies, your big competitors aren't tracking things that way. They're into PR, they're into presence, right? They want to be known, want to be top of mind. And you need to be top of mind. It's how do you do it? Right. So a lot, of, unless you've got millions or a billion, you know, or even a billion dollars laying around that you can spend on PR and recognition, you know, so you can be seen, right. You want to be seen on all the commercials on broadcast television. It's expensive. Don't do that. Stick with direct response marketing. And I don't mean direct marketing, which is what um, multi-level marketing has evolved into as a phrase, not knocking multi multi-level. If you're, if you're doing direct sales, it's a good business model. Make sure you got a good business that you're working with. Enough on that topic. Coming back to what I mean by direct response marketing is you track those dollars. You put a dollar in, you, you, that cues paying for actions to be taken, and you know what the result is. You know what the you, you know what the direct response is. Your customers, your prospective customers, get an opportunity to make a direct response to the marketing that you're putting out in the marketplace. Hugely important. So that's the second thing. So that's a way to automate and be more productive. So then your team can focus their time on the on the non-clerical, non-repetitive, non-creative tasks in order to continue to innovate. They can work both in and on the business. They can work both in and on the business. So that's the second. And the third part of this is as you as you are doing this automation as you're working on the value stack. Going to come back to pricing policy because this interplays with the marketing. 
and this is part of a previous episode, talked about the mindset that you need to lead, the, the psychology change that you need to lead in your team, your company is cash up front, secure your cash, right? The big, the three biggies are secure your cash, cut expenses through productivity, make, make big, uh, intelligent, strategic CapEx capital expenditures, even though it's a time of inflation, you build out strategically. There's, there's a huge, and I have a case study that we'll talk about in a future episode on that. So the, come back to this third thing in your pricing policy, make sure that everyone is focused in your sales team on not doing long-term contracts. Be very, very careful of that because in an inflationary cycle, you have a problem with, if you lock it in today and you let that run out for two years, you know, it's a long-term contract. I've worked on, on aircraft development and in delivery, you know, development, production and delivery. That takes three, that can take three to four years just to get parts in house to build one. And it's a, so that's something that run, that can run a decade on a delivery contract, those kind of long-term contracts. In your case, you may not be dealing with those timeframes, but think about what happens to the time value of money in a six to 24 month period of time when inflation is now we're up to, you know, last month was 7.4%. And then they adjust. So they said, no, 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 it wasn't that bad. Now they're saying it's eight and a half percent. It was 7.4%. Now it's up to eight and a half percent. If that continues to go up, you can be in a position where the dollars that you have committed to today are worth 20% less in terms of buying power to pay your expenses when those dollars come in from the customer, right? So you got to be careful about that. Be very, very purposeful on in long-term contracts. Don't, you know, don't do it. Phase it. Phase it as an option. This is the best practice for you. Go shorter term contracts with fate, with options to move forward and very well-crafted clauses that protect you and your customer, right? And this comes back to something that we're going to be talking about tomorrow with our special guest, Doug Wing. He is the former vice chairman of the Little Giant Ladder Company and his father, founded and built that company and something that his father, Hal Wing, that you need to do in high inflation for uh, working with customers over the long term, right? You need to have well-written clauses to protect you and your customer because prices are spiraling right now. We don't know how far it's going to go. Uh, Bank of America released its second hyperinflation warning. It released one last summer when a lot of the so-called experts were still saying, ah, inflation is just going to be transitory. Don't worry about it. Nothing to see here. Uh-uh. So, the, you know, Deutsche Bank has released a, a, a warning as well on things that are happening with, with inflation and how it's affecting uh, the money markets. Watch that. Don't get locked into something that could eventually do you harm and do your customer harm because you're delivering value to your customer, right? You are helping your customer. If they don't get what you have, it's bad for them. So we need to maintain that relationship. And the same with your suppliers. You know, there's a tendency to want to do short-term, you know, short-term cash with customers, long-term payments with suppliers. Uh, be careful on that too. You're all in this together in your supply chain, so you need to work something that's that's well-crafted with them that gives you and your suppliers safety valves so that you can both stay in business. And that's the three big tips for today. Tomorrow we are going to have a wonderful conversation 
with our guest. Bring this, succeed in bringing this up. Ah, there he is, Doug Wang. Co uh, was vice chairman of Little Giant Ladder Company. Uh, he's now uh, semi retired from that and moved on to other projects and doing a lot of great work in the business community. Fun guy, just a great gentleman. You know, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, I didn't get to know his dad, but I can I can see the can see the echo in the gentleman in the in the adventure streak that Doug has, and he's also a very smart businessman. So we'll be talking more about you know things like how it's not a good deal if it's not a good deal for everyone around the table. Doug, how you doing, my friend? See, there he is. Doug, glad you're part of the conversation. Looking forward to talking with you tomorrow. And uh, we're just wrapping up. I'm so glad Doug stopped in. It is going to be an awesome conversation and. There's other interviews with with uh, Doug that uh, you can find. I've shared them out to, to my social media sites because he's he has a best selling book, Giant Success, which is which has him on the speaking circuit. Uh, because when you get a bestseller, you, know, you got to get the information out. And he's been on a lot of interviews doing that. I highly recommend watching those as well. And you know, get some questions together. Join us tomorrow. It will be at 10 a.m. Pacific time on our next episode, which will be Friday, April 15th. Doug, thanks for joining us. It's just closing up and I'm going to look forward to having you part of the conversation. And so as you're watching this, it's going to be live Q&A with Doug, right? This is 21st century television, live and interactive. So please join us for that. And I, I'm Wolf. This is Wolf's Watch and I will see you on the trail.